ourselves, God, not of all the things that we've done, but all the things that you've done, and all the things that you've promised to do. Lord God, if it's not good, then you're not done. God, because all that you do is good. And so, God, we believe for greater things, not what our imagination can produce, but what you've already promised. God, you promise righteousness, peace, and joy. Lord, for those that are stepping in, that will receive your kingdom. So this morning, God, as an act of surrender, Lord, and representing, God, the gift you give, God, with our hands lifted, we receive now the free gift, God, that we're able to enter into your kingdom. God, peace and joy. Lord, we let go of our burdens. and We receive instead, God, the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, you guys can be seated right where you are. Hey, say hello to somebody around you as you're sitting down. Tell them, uh, welcome to fall break. Four corners, fall break. <laughs> Thank you, worship team. You guys are, um, what a gift. What a gift y'all are. Uh, in here this morning with us. A um, couple announcements before we dig in. I, I did. Uh, we are in week two of a series uh, called Lynchpin Faith, and I'm going to get into that in, in just a minute. Uh, I do want to go through a couple things real quick. Next Sunday, we've got a, uh, uh, we'll have family service in here, so the kids will be in here with us. Uh, this last week in a fall break, it's going to be, um, I, 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 I go back and forth from, from having our kids doing their own kids service and elementary service uh, in there because they, uh, the leaders love them and they, and they walk them through right in, like on their level. At the same time, I love everybody being in here together, and so we want to take opportunities when we can to bring uh, uh, everybody in. And so we'll have some, some of the kids in here this next week, family service, uh, everybody in here. Uh, we'll, we will still have the nursery and preschool going on, uh, and that will be avail uh, available also. Hey, at the end of this month, the last uh, Saturday, we're going to have a fall hangout here uh, at the church in the evening. And so we're going to have a few things going on, just really a chance. We've done so much moving around, so much bouncing around, it's going to provide an opportunity for our church just to get together. We're going to eat some chili. Our small groups are going to have a little bit of a little bit of chili cook-off. And uh, just, uh, just want you to know, if you're, if you're in a small group, you, are, you have now just been entered into that competition. And I don't know how you feel, uh, but you are now a participant. And um, and so we're gonna have a little bit of a little bit of that. We may have a little little pumpkin carving uh, little contest thing going on. We'll have a couple fire pits outside uh, over here in our in our parking lot. Um, we'll have a uh, we've got a big inflatable screen, and so we're planning on having a couple games, uh, football games on that. I don't know what other games there are, but basically football is what we're talking about here. So fall hangout. Hey, make plans to be here. You can bring a friend uh, and just come hang out. We're gonna eat and and just. Just, just be family and uh, learn to, to grow together. Um, okay. All right. Um, and then lastly is this. Uh, we have Next Steps, which is coming up in November. And if you didn't get a chance uh, to go this past week, we did a, like a combo Next Steps. Normally it's two sessions, and we combine them into one. We did uh, last week, I think we had about uh, 17 to 20 grads in there, graduates. All right, they graduated Next Steps. Congratulations, Next Steps grads. Uh, but Next Steps is just our on-ramp to all things Four Corners. So if you want to know um, how, uh, how things work, where the church came from, how old we are, where we plan on going, and how you can be a part of that, I want to encourage you to uh, come to Next Steps. It's, it's super simple. Uh, there's a, a, a child care and lunch provided if you need that. Um, if you need child care, you'll need lunch. We'll give that to you. 
So, uh, hey, we're in, a, we're in a series. I called it Lynchpin Faith. And here's the only, here's the only challenge, though, is I've had a, a, a couple people uh, afterwards come up to me and they're like, uh, Lynchpin? How do you say that? I was like, Lynchpin. And they're like, I don't, what is that? Did you make that word up? And I was like, no, I didn't. That's a real word. That's an actual word. So, Lynchpin is just a it's just a person or a thing that's vital to the the mission or the project or the organization. That's what that's all Lynchpin is. And so Lynchpin faith is essentially we're talking about cultivating a faith that makes a difference. Cultivating a faith that actually makes a difference. We're asking we're just asking a question, how do we cultivate a faith and really ultimately a church that looks like Jesus? Looks like Jesus. We look like a lot of things. There are a lot of churches that look like a lot of things. But not everybody and not every church, not every organization, not everything looks and sounds like Jesus. And that's the goal, right? And so this morning we're talking about um, a, a linchpin faith. Most of our texts uh, come out of the Gospel of Mark, specifically Mark chapters 9 and 10. So if you're doing your own Bible study, I would encourage you to dig into that uh, during the week. Our passage this morning is in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. You guys ready to dig in? All right, here we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Everybody say indignant. He was not happy. He was angry. So he said to them, the disciples, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Then over in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 1, after talking about um, Jesus being the fullness of God. Here we are in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, It is not to angels that he, that God, has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. He's quoting a psalm here, Psalm 8. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Those are the children of God. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. All right, have you ever wanted to, to, to pray and then right before you said anything, right before you opened your mouth, you just thought, I don't, I don't think I have the right words. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm probably the last one that needs to be praying right now. Or, or maybe uh, I, don't, I don't know enough about God to pray. Or I don't know enough about the Bible to pray. Or have you ever considered starting to read the Bible, and you just thought, I, I, I might just need to leave this to, to the good Christians. I'm not, I'm not so sure this one's for me. Or, or who, who am I to pretend that this great salvation plan really involves me? Anybody ever had some of those thoughts? Or maybe you found yourself, maybe you found yourself just thinking, should, 
should I really be here? Like in this room here? Do I belong after the week I've had or after what I've done? Am I, is, is, am I supposed to be here? If so, then today's linchpin faith message is for you. It's for you this morning. Because I want to show you that if you'll, if you'll take that thought and you'll just take one more step, one next step, you'll be in the exact posture to receive everything that God has for you and for those around you. If you just take that thought, am I, is this, is, am I supposed to, am I supposed to be here? And you just take one more step, you'll be in the exact posture to receive everything God has for you. Anybody in here want everything that God has for you? If God has good things, how many of you guys want everything that God has for you? Yeah, yeah, I know you do, me too. So this passage in Mark is super popular. Maybe you guys have uh, read it before or you've heard somebody talking about it. Let the children come unto me. Maybe you've seen some pictures before of, of uh, Jesus and, and somebody's painted a picture of Jesus and he's and the kids are, are coming over. and uh, Maybe you've seen something like that before. Uh, the, Jesus has just gone on this healing spree, which apparently he's done frequently. All right, He's just fed about 5,000 people. He then goes and walks on water. Then he feeds another 4,000 people. And then he heals a boy who's demon-possessed, and, 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 his, and his reputation, Jesus' reputation is just exploding. And so then he takes a break, and he sits down. How many of you guys need a break after that little, that little giddy-up? Yeah. So he takes a break, and he sits down. And uh, then the parents, come all over, they start bringing their, bringing their kids. And, and the disciple police decide to show up. All right? These are, these are Jesus' people. All right, and they, and, they, and they go around and they go, okay, all right, all right, boys and girls, okay, Jesus, Jesus doesn't have time for this, doesn't have time for you, you're going to have to, uh, 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 you're going to have to scoot back, scoot back. This is Jesus we're talking about, holy Jesus, and Jesus is indignant. He's so, he's angry, and he stops and he, and he points out this moment. So don't miss this moment, don't skip past this moment, it's important. He's, he's not saying, hey guys, let's, you know, let's not forget about the kids, or Hey guys, kids are people too. You know, they should be here too. This, this isn't the posture Jesus is, is saying. He's not saying remember the little children. He's not saying just, just include them a little bit. Let them in the room. I know they're loud and they're just, they're kind of, imagine if we just filed in about eight four-year-olds into the room and they just come all the way down here to the front. What happens to the room? It's going to, dynamic's going to change a little bit. All right? They're going to they're gonna totally change the, the dynamic of the room. He's not saying give them space. He's, he takes them and he elevates them all the way up to where he already saw them beforehand. This is, this is, where, this is where Jesus is. And, and unless, we, unless we pay attention to this moment, we're going to miss the entire point, this point, of faith. The moment is frozen. Kids are being passed to Jesus. The disciples are running near interference. Jesus gets angry. And in all the other moments, when it gets intense and, 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 it, and the environment gets intense, Jesus ends up saying, okay, well, let's go over here or let's go over there. You, you find it all the time. He's moving and he's going all over the map. But this time he stops. So what's the, what's the big deal with children? What's the big deal with kids? Why is Jesus saying unless you receive the kingdom like a child, then you'll never enter it? Why is this moment frozen? Here's the answer. Because that's what you are, a child. That's, that's what we are. We're children. As, as, 
followers of Jesus, if you've submitted your life to him, then what you've just entered into is an adoption process by which you are now a son or a daughter of God. We're, we're, we're a child of God. You ever, um, you ever, you ever been around a, a tough guy? You ever, you have any, maybe you're a tough guy. Anybody you'd consider yourself a, a, a tough guy? You remember maybe back in high school? Tough guys, there was a, um, there's a competition. They may still have it for a long time on, uh, I think it was on ESPN. It was a, a World's Strongest Man competition, all right? And um, these were like legit, like they're, they're the strongest men in the world. I don't know how they register it. I think usually they just like throw giant like tractor tires across a field. And you're like, yeah, he's pretty strong. And then, or another one is pulling the airplane, you know, by his teeth. And you're like, yeah, he wins too. He's a, they're all, they're all kind of named the same thing. You all got, you know, Magnus or Sven. And they're just, they're just world's strongest. But here's the deal. You put, a, you put the world's strongest man or you put a tough guy around his mom and what happens? They're not so tough anymore, are they? Them strong men, they're not so tough anymore, are you? Why? Because no matter how old you get or tough you get, that's still your mom and you're still the kid. That's your role. That's your place. No matter how big you get, no matter how old you get, to God, you're still a child. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a lower thing. It's not a, hey, scoot over here, you little kid. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's, it, it's just the opposite. Why does Jesus say unless you receive the kingdom of God like a child, then you'll never enter it? Why is it that you, in, in order to receive the kingdom, so remember what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is wherever God's will, his perfect will, his ways, his works are being done. Wherever that is happening, that is God's kingdom. And the, the characteristics of his kingdom is a right relationship with God and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, so how is it, or, or, or why is it, that Jesus says, unless you receive the kingdom like a child, you'll never enter it? Here's the, here's the answer. Because the kingdom is a gift before it is a place. The kingdom of God is a gift before it's a place. Why doesn't he say, unless you enter the kingdom like a child, then you'll never be able to enter the kingdom? Why do you receive the same thing before you enter it? And here's the deal. Jesus is making a point. The kingdom of heaven, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is, is a gift. And you can't enter the place before you receive the gift. The kingdom is both a reality and a destination where you're going. But before the kingdom is a destination, it is a gift. And you can't enter the place or even see the reality until you begin to experience it for yourself first. So what Jesus is not saying is, unless you become like a child, you'll never get to heaven. It's not the kingdom of heaven that he's talking about. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven that begins right here and right now, and that is the gift to those that follow Jesus, that they get to participate in this reality, in this new kingdom here on earth, where one day we'll see the fullness of it, but right now we just see glimpses. But you get to enter into it. But unless you receive it like a child, you'll never enter it. What a linchpin characteristic of faith. And if you and I don't begin to move into this or grasp this, then, then, we'll, then we'll miss 
the most fundamental basis of faith. Oftentimes, we have a lot of people walking around like we like we have the answer uh, to the world's problems, you know, in a in a in a jar or in a box. Like here it is. I've got I've got it. I've got it. It it, it it's mine. That's how oftentimes we approach right now any type of dialogue or conversation or argument on social media. It's I've, I've got it. I own this answer. I've, I've it's it's mine. This is the 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 disciples. Disciples have Jesus on their side, all right? They just fed like a million people. And then watch Jesus walk on water. Simon Peter walks on there, and he's like, hey, man, I walked on water too. I mean, it was for a minute. It was only for like maybe 11 or 12 seconds, but I did it. I don't see any of you guys walking on water. So they, got, so they have Jesus on their side, and this is their approach to the situation. They, they act as if they've got their own like secret weapon. Secret weapon Jesus. This is, this is the disciples. They've, they've approached it. It's like a... It's like they have a, it's a football game on Friday night, all right? And uh, nobody knows they have this secret five-star recruit that just came through into town, signed up for school. He just transferred in as a quarterback. You know, shh, don't tell anybody. He's about to roll out of here. Friday night rolls around, and they're playing their arch nemesis, and they go to play and out walks this six-foot-six, 255-pound reincarnated Cam Newton for Huntsville High School. And you're just like, yeah, secret weapon, what's up? Here he is. And then what do you do? You just kind of back up and you just like let him go. You're like, yeah, he's on our team. He's not yours. He's ours. That's, this, is the, this is the approach. And this is what the disciples thought they had. And so children start coming up and they go, hey, 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 get off of our secret weapon. Get off of him. We're about to take over. We're about to take over. This is going to be our city. Like legitimately. That, that, that was the approach. I'm not making fun. My guess is, is I would probably have been, if, if, I had, if I'd been one of the disciples, I probably would have been doing the exact, the exact same thing. Probably would have been in the, in the same boat, same shoes. And Jesus says, you, you've missed the point, guys. You don't own me. You don't get to use me. I'm not on your mission. I'm not on your team. Now, you can be on mine, but, but I'm, I'm not on yours. I'd love for you to join me on mine. And the way to do that is first you have to receive the kingdom before you can enter the kingdom. And everybody's confused and everybody's angry except these happy little kids bouncing on Jesus' lap who are getting blessed. The Pharisees want control. The disciples want power. And Jesus has something better, a new kingdom that hinges on childlike faith. I got good news for you this morning. You are in a great position to receive the kingdom like a child. But what it requires is a, is a, cha- is a mind shift. And so this morning I have a couple uh, characteristics of childlike faith. So we're going to look and see, we're going to go, what is, real quick, what are some characteristics of childlike faith if I'm going to enter the kingdom like a child, if I need to have the benefits of the kingdom and being a part of Jesus' family, where, do I, where would I see that? How would I recognize that? Where would I see it? First one is this, characteristics of childlike faith. Childlike faith sees what is unseen, sees what is unseen. Mark 10, 13, 14, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. They didn't see it. And so when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So you want to feel old? You guys want to feel, want to feel old in here? Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love feeling old. It doesn't matter if you're a freshman in college or one of our seniors, not in college, um, 
So you try bringing a toddler over to your house that's not, that's not childproof. Your, your house is not childproof, all right? Try bringing a, try bringing a, a toddler over there. You, you'll, you'll realize real quickly just how many things in your house are set perfectly at about a two and a half foot tall level that they can be destroyed, completely annihilated. They're just going to be, if you, you bring them over and you go, oh, I, I thought oh, I had my house all like perfectly like decorated. My dorm room, it was all in, it was, it was perfect. And then this terrorist toddler comes over and just takes over. Kids' vision is different. They notice color and they notice opportunities and they notice a McDonald's from 17 and a half miles away. They just see different. They just have a, they have a, they have a different vision. And so the disciples hadn't been with Jesus long, but they had already started down the road of religion, and Jesus wasn't having it. Their vision was already shifting. They were already being shaped by religion, defining the kingdom by hierarchy and exclusion, and they really weren't looking too very different than the Pharisees. They looked a lot alike. And if you read the Gospels, you'll recognize that none of the Gospel writers actually like putting the disciples in such a better light. They just so happened to be real close to Jesus and to stick with them when things got tough. They just stayed close. But they messed up all the time. It happens to us too. And so childlike faith sees interruptions as opportunities to bless rather than inconveniences. So here's the question. How is your vision? How often are you redefining moments at work or at school? as opportunities to bless somebody rather than viewing the inconvenience or the interruption or the challenge. The childlike faith sees what is unseen. So how do you, how do you cultivate childlike faith? You, you work on your vision. You work on your imagination. You look for and search for the blessing in the moment. Have you ever tried that as a discipline? Ask yourself, you've asked yourself, where is God in this moment? I can do that. Where is God in this moment on Sunday mornings when the, the team is leading us in worship and I'm standing there and I'm like, this is wonderful. God is in this moment. Where is he? Well, he's here and he's here. Now, <clears throat> Monday afternoon, everything else is, the, the environment's completely different. And my situation and your situation isn't Sunday morning with your hands lifted in worship, and you're going, oh, the Lord is in this place. Oh, we have a sweet, sweet spirit, sweet presence of God in the room. He's, there's ain't nothing sweet about Monday afternoon in this moment. And you go, where is God in this moment? Have you ever tried to work out that discipline? How do you work on the discipline of cultivating and seeing what is unseen? That's childlike faith. You go, I, I, need, to, I need to ask myself, where's God in this moment? Or where is the invitation in this moment? That's the question. Now, that's a formation question. That's one that you take with you and you go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember this or I'm going to write this down or I'm going to ask myself because it's not going to feel like a good moment to ask yourself that question when you're in the moment. You ever tried to get not angry when you were angry? You ever tried that before? I had a friend tell me one time, he's like, look, man, I found a trick. He said, when I get angry, I just do this. Um, like, I will, if I'm in my office, he said, I did it the other day. He said, I'll just, um, I'll just smile and, and not stop smiling until my bad mood goes away. And he said, I just do this. Just smile, man, just smile. And I was like, for real? He goes, yeah, man, just keep smiling until the mood goes away. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. So I don't remember what I was doing. All I remember is this, is I was very angry in the moment, and I was like, okay, fine, just do this. And I just went. I tried to, 
and I lasted probably, I, I was smiling probably like 10 or 15 seconds, and it just made me even angrier. And I got angry at myself. I was like, I'm so stupid. It's so dumb. And I threw something. All right? You, just, you, ever, you ever tried to, you ever, it's, 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 a, it's a challenge for, then you, for you then to turn around and say, what is, where is God in this moment, and where is the invitation? The truth is, is that God's there with you. He didn't run off because your day was bad, whether it was somebody else's fault or it was your own fault. A lot of our bad days are our own fault. And we just assume, well, God left. He'll show back up on Sunday morning. That's not how God works. So where's the invitation? Oftentimes it's just to see that he's with you and that there's grace and mercy for that moment. So the second one is this. Childlike faith sees what is unseen. Childlike faith brings what hasn't been brought. Childlike faith brings what hasn't been brought. The disciples should have, should have been the ones bringing the kids to bless, but instead they were keeping them back. And so childlike faith doesn't hold back, it doesn't stay hidden, it doesn't keep secrets. And so doesn't, that doesn't hold anything back. Kids, man, they, all, they can keep a secret for about three seconds, and then it's just gone. I remember years and years ago, um, my son, he was probably, I think he was four years old at the time, and uh, we were about to get ready for bed, and uh, about to uh, hop in the shower, and I remember um, I told him, for whatever reason, I don't know what happened, I just said, man... I said, hey, bud, I said, man, I'm, I'm proud of you. And he goes, just put his head down. I was like, what is it? And he goes, dad, he goes, we don't keep secrets in our family, do we? And I was like, no, man, we don't. We just tell it like it is. And he goes, all right. He said, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, um, he said, sometimes he goes, uh, I climb the shower like a mountain when my feet are soapy. And I was like, he goes, we shouldn't do that, should we? I said, no, man, we shouldn't. I said, man, you're going to fall and get hurt. I said, I appreciate you telling me that. We don't keep secrets. Thanks for, thanks for telling me that. Why did he bring me that secret? Why, why did he bring it? Here's why. Because in that moment, he knew he was loved even before. He knew it was, it was there, there was unconditional love there. He could bring anything. And this is the same base relationship we have with God, but exponentially better. Can I really bring everything to God? Can I really bring the moods and the moments? Can I bring my past? Can I bring my brokenness? Can I bring my shame? Can I bring my plans? Can I bring my desires? Or can I keep some of it hidden? Can I keep some of those secrets Oftentimes, our obsession with privacy is rooted, has its roots in rejection. And so if we had to honestly really just sum up the entirety of Christ's mission and his ministry all in one word, I think, I think reconciliation would be a good choice. Reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded Christ this way, we don't do so any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Verse 18. And all this is from God who reconciled, brought us back to himself through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Look at this. This is good. Not counting people's sins 
against them, and he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. How can God reconcile, though, what we won't bring? How can God make right what we don't allow? Isn't, isn't this the challenge? Isn't this the challenge of bringing everything before the Lord? Pharisee faith says God is too important and too busy. And childlike faith says I can bring it all. I can bring it all. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus is speaking in response to the weighted religion pressed down on all the ordinary people around. He's speaking, and this is his response. He said, you've, you've, you've been burdened down and weighted down, and he says this, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I'll give you rest. The context there is the pharisaical religion that was pressed down on them. Really what the disciples were even doing in that moment. Keeping back because they're a secret weapon. They got plans for him. Mark chapter 10 says this. Verse 16, moving on in the text. He says, and he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So childlike faith sees what is unseen. It brings... What hasn't been brought, and then childlike faith blesses what has not been blessed. He took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. And so in Jesus' day, there were there are a lot of groups that were on the outside that, that were that were not considered blessed. Uh, th so the natural thought of the day, which is pretty common actually, like today too, uh, was that you know material wealth and external riches were signs of favor of God or or favor of the gods. And so if you had money, if you had stuff, if you had a large family, if you had lots of property, if you had all of these things, then you were extra blessed. You were favorite. You were favored. So, so the people that weren't blessed were the poor, uh, those on the outside, uh, immigrants, uh, women that had no rights, very little ability to gain wealth. They were, not, they were considered not blessed. Uh, those that were sick, those that maybe had a disease, those that were hurting, lonely, wounded, and children. Children. Children had no power. They had no status. They had no rights. They were regarded as oftentimes insignificant and disposable in Greco-Roman culture. Now, the Jewish faith brought around something different. But overall, the umbrella in this, in this uh, culture was that they, they, were, they weren't blessed. How could they be blessed yet? They're just children. And so the disciples should have seen it coming, but religion suffocates childlike faith. It just rips the childlike faith right out, right out of you. It'll, it'll, it'll just pull it right out of you. And so we get a picture of the kind of Messiah that Jesus is in Matthew 12. Jesus has just healed some more people, and, um, but they are, because of his reputation, because it's growing, uh, the, the religious crowd is beginning to plot together and make plans to, uh, to kill Jesus. And so it says, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all. Everybody say all. All who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here's my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love, and whom I delight. 
I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He won't quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. Here it is. Here's what I want you to hear. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. That's the character of the God that you serve. A bruised reed he won't break. A smoldering wick. Any candle lovers in here? Anybody, your house is just full of candles. You just spent like your savings on candles. You're just all over. I love me some good candles. What do you do when the, when the candle's about to go out? And it's, you can hear it, you know. It's making that sound. And, and, and it's, it's, a, it's about to go out. And, and, and you could just go over and just snuff it out. And the, and the tenderness, the compassion of Jesus is evident in this text. It says a, a, a smoldering wick. He's not going to go over. And if you are in a moment now where you feel like that's, I'm, I'm, I'm barely hanging on. I'm barely hanging on. That thing is barely lit. And it's, it's going out and it's coming back and it's going out and it's coming back. Jesus isn't going to come over there and go, okay, well, I've had enough of you. He doesn't, he doesn't snuff you out. He doesn't, he, he doesn't take this broken, bruised reed from just life and from wind and go over, well, this one's, this one's broken. He's, he, doesn't, he didn't uproot that thing. The tenderness, the mercy, the compassion of Jesus is evident all throughout, and he has to push so hard against the, the waves, these cultural waves of religion in the moment. I remember probably um, the best preschool boys teacher uh, I ever had uh, was, was Miss Jean Ty. Miss Jean Ty, Lindsay and I were family ministry pastors, and we had, uh, at, at the last church that we were at, and so we worked with a lot of volunteers in children's ministry. And so probably the best one that I ever had for, for, uh, for preschoolers was Miss Jean. Uh, she was a single woman in her 50s. Um, she wore those. Uh, she wore those glasses where they were like um, they. It was like sunglasses outside, but then regular glasses inside, like the, the transitional lenses. I think it's what. The, so then she would come in. She had real small glasses, and um, she had a uh, just a, a wild, miraculous story of of how Jesus saved her. She had never really been to church. She didn't grow up in church um, at all. In fact, church was the furthest thing from how she grew up, especially in her childhood. And um, I remember she used to stand out front in on Sundays. We had this, this big auditorium. There were hundreds of people in there. And she would, she would stand out front, and she would worship. But the way she would worship is she would, she would do karate moves in worship on the front row. And she would just go, but it was like yoga karate. I don't know. I don't do either one of those. So y'all don't get mad at me. If you do either one, I'm about to butcher this. I just wanted to show you. So she would go, and she would just be like, and she would be singing the songs. And then she would, she would do this number right here. And it was like cheerleading, yoga, karate, Jean Taibo. That's what we called her, Jean Taibo. So she would just worship, man. Go, just go to town doing, doing her, her karate worship. And so I remember... I didn't care. Like, we did children's ministry, and that's what we do, like, with kids, man. We do motions. Like, you don't sing a song to kids without motions. I'm just saying, like, I've thought numerous times about bringing some motions up in here. I just want y'all to know. Y'all just need to, just so y'all know, you know, like, just the, that's what we do. And so, Miss Jean, she's sitting on the front. She's doing her worship, and, and um, 
I remember somebody asked her one day, she's like, they, they said, what, what, Miss Jean, what are, you, what are you doing? And she said this, she said, sometimes it's hard for me to focus, um, sometimes it's hard for me to focus on what God has done for me rather than all the wrong that I've done. So I just, I just pretend I'm pushing back the darkness while I'm focusing on Jesus while I worship. And I was like, okay, you win. We'll all start doing karate worship. I remember um, our uh, preschool boys teacher quit and um, we were in need. And so I thought, I started to go through my list and we started getting lots of no's because it's a, it's a room full of preschool boys. There's four and five year olds. There was a, at least 20 of them. And, and it was crazy. And so I went through our list and I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Miss Jean and um, who, who would be better than Miss Jean? And so I went and, I went and talked to her and she just, she couldn't believe that we would ask her to teach the preschool boys. And I was like, yeah, no, we've, we've chosen you. Um, you're the chosen one. Please, Miss Jean. She just couldn't believe it. I'd go and I'd stop by her room to check on her sometimes. And she'd have these boys lined up in lines. And they were at attention. And they would be singing these songs. And they would be tie-bowing it, worshiping. I mean, she had them focusing on the Lord. For her, this was serious business. And so it wasn't long before I had parents coming up to me and they're asking me who their new who their boy's new teacher was, and they it wasn't out of anger. They were thrilled. These boys were coming home retelling all these Bible stories, and it was just boys loved it. And so about a month after she started teaching, she comes by the church and uh, to see me, and um, she asks to see me. She's at the front at the desk. She asked to see me, and I thought, oh great, we had her for one month, and she's done. And um, and so I go. I think, man, she's quitting. And so I walk out to meet her, and she goes, here, Pastor Joel, I have, I have this for you and uh, Miss Lindsay. And she pulls, and it's this huge bag of presents, bag of gifts. And I was like, okay, I guess these are, I don't know what these, I, I, don't, I don't know what these are for. She said, Pastor, she said, these are, for, um, these are for you, and they're for Lindsay. And she said, you are, um, she said, you're my angels. She goes, I never had a chance when I was little to go to church and, um, now, not only do I get to go to kids' church, but I get to lead it, and, um, and I get to teach it, too. And I thought, get to? This, here's this woman teaching the five-year-old terrorist class. I, I've never had a preschool teacher come to me and give me a bag of presents and saying, thank you, I get to teach these boys. I just, where did this come from? This is, this is the question that was in her mind that I can see now. She didn't say it this way, but this is the way she moved about, and it was this. What is there around me that needs blessing? Because I've got it. I've, I've got the blessing. I've been blessed. So what around me needs it? Because there, there were so many challenges that she could have focused on. She will never know the impact of her drivenness and passion for Jesus, her, um, her tenacity in worship, just her determination. And it, her faith didn't have really much to do with her. It had to do with Jesus, but it was her response to what he had already done. And so she would just go around just blessing people. I just get to, I get to do this. And so her approach was blessing. 
And so this morning, I wanna, I wanna pray for you. A linchpin characteristic of faith. Last week, we talked about wise faith, having wise faith. This morning's childlike faith. I, I think that before we can move forward in faith and grow, my understanding of this passage is that even though in Hebrews it says that we've been, we've been crowned, we've been crowned, it also says in here that Jesus points out that unless you become like a child, unless you receive the kingdom like a child, and then you'll never be able to enter it. And so un unless something shifts in our mind and then stays there, typically we want kids to grow up. In this moment, our approach is, no, we need to go back. We need to go back to childlike faith. We need to go back to our faith. As it is. And so the question is this, is there anything that has matured you in your mind and your approach to faith that actually wouldn't be looking at it now it wouldn't be framed if you're honest wouldn't be framed as maturity it may be more along the lines of religion is there anything in your mind that you've gone well I've, I've matured past that I would never I'd never make karate moves in worship Is there anything in your mind where, where you've gone, I'm, I'm past this? Is there a chance that it's not maturity, that it's religion? So I want to pray for you this morning, if you would, if you close your eyes. Maybe you're in here and you just say, you just say, Joel, I hear you about all the childlike faith stuff. I, 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 I even kind of believe you. I get it. Simplicity of childlike faith, I, I, I get it. But my life is just so complicated. It's so complicated. It's so hard. To, it's, it's, it's just hard to think of it in such simplicity like that. But I want to. And so will you pray for me that I return to the simplicity of childlike faith? If that's your prayer this morning, I just want to return to the simplicity of childlike faith. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real, real high and put it back down? I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're in here and you just say, if you're honest, you know, you'd admit maybe God is actually the last place you go when facing challenges. Instead of bringing him what hasn't been brought, you rarely bring him anything. But today, you don't want to hold anything back. Today's your day. Today's your day to surrender any challenges or any secrets or any of the bitterness or any of the unforgiveness or whether you thought the problem was too big or you thought it was too small, today you bring it all to him in surrender. If that's you, nobody's looking around, just me and Jesus. Would you just raise your hand real, real high and you put it back down? Not hold anything back. Father, I thank you for your gift of your son. Lord, not only to, not only to show us how to live, God, but to, but to be the giver the giver of grace in our own lives. God, we could never approach or do anything out of our own, God, out, out, of, out, out, of our own, out of our own ability. Lord, the truth is, the core truth of childlike faith is that we depend not on our works, but on your work, your finished work on the cross. And so I pray that you would seal that in our hearts this morning. Lord, for those that raised their hand and they just said, bring me back to the simplicity of faith. 
the simplicity of childlike faith. Will you take me back? Lord, I pray that you would in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would take us all back to the moment, to that moment, to that thought, to that picture in our mind. God, paint a new picture for us that we can see you, who you are, who you truly are, the God who cultivates childlike faith. That is the entrance. That's the entrance point. Lord, I pray that you would do it. God, I pray that you would, Lord, for those that would raise their hand about a new surrender, about bringing it at all. Lord, give them the courage and the wisdom to do just that, to bring it all. God, we bring it all before you, knowing, Lord, that in you is total, full forgiveness and total, complete joy. We receive it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. That's so good. I was listening towards the end. You probably heard just the cute little kids uh, screaming and playing and, and giggling. Totally planned. Yeah. No, we hear it every week. But no, it just made me think we need to go into this week with that, with the joy and just letting it go and going, you know what? God's got me. And I can smile and I can trust that God's with me. That's a really good reminder. If you're going home with a screaming kid today, <laughs> don't focus on that. Focus on... <laughs> Focus on, let, let's be childlike. Let's remember we are his children, and he loves us so very much. So anyway, great morning. Thank you for starting this week off with us here at Four Corners Church. If it's your first time here, we're so happy that you chose to join with us in worship. Uh, each chair has a uh, worship guide on it, and inside is a connection card. I'd love the opportunity to write you a little note thanking you for being with us this morning. So if you want to take a moment and uh, fill out the connection card, you can drop it off in the small little drop box right before you exit the auditorium. Also, there's an opportunity if you want to uh, connect with us in regard to serving or next steps, baptism, small groups, any of those things, you're welcome to mark. And on the back side, don't forget for all of our church family, if we can be praying with you about anything, please let us know. You can write that on the back. And our prayer team, uh, they're incredible. They're a good group of people, and they are uh, they are steadfast and believe with you in faith with you that God is going to answer your prayers and meet your needs. And so uh, let us know how we can connect with you in that in that way. Uh, lastly, I want to say thank you to those who faithfully give. We can't have service and uh, and reach the people within these walls and the people outside without your faithful giving. So thank you to those who so faithfully uh, give to Four Corners Church. Um, you can do that by uh, cash or check, and there are little um, envelopes in the back by the drop box. You can drop it off that way, or you can do that online or by texting as well. Um, but thank you. We are able to continually monthly support some local missionaries here in our church who reach students on the UAH campus. That's a really, uh, that's a really big deal. Uh, that's big in my heart because I don't, I don't necessarily connect fantastic with <laughs> college kids because I'm past that. But these are people who have a calling and a heart, and we're able to to partner with them. I love that. <laughs> Was that funny? I didn't mean it. I just meant I'm older, and they're and these missionaries are are kind of their age. You know, yeah, totally. Anyway, thank you because part of your giving goes to help them 
uh, and they are able to reach students there, people that Jesus loves so very much, uh, on top of a whole bunch of other things. So we want to say thank you. All right. Hey, I want to pray for you. Will you guys stand up with me this morning? I want to pray a blessing for you on your way out. Hey, would you hold your hands out like this? Now may the God who calls and beckons and asks for the weary and burdened to come to him so that he can give you rest, may he give you rest this week. May you be filled with the Sabbath rest of God in this moment, in this week, and the overflow of the abundance of his grace will flow out of you and onto your family and onto your friends and onto those that you work with. And may all those that come into contact with you this week receive the blessing of God through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. We'll see you this next week.